Hey there, thanks for joining us here at Compass Church, where we are making God accessible to everyone. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us as a church, head over to our website, compassbn.com. We hope this inspires you and gives you practical ways to live out your faith. Enjoy the message. Well, hello. Today we are starting off a brand new message series, and I thought I should begin by showing you something that I think is pretty cool. So ever since I was a kid, I've been a fan of comic books, and I collected them since I was 12. I've read tons of them. And one of my favorite characters has always been Spider-Man. And this is a limited edition Marvel mini bust, a statue of Spider-Man made by artist Randy Bowen. Now, Randy Bowen is an artist and a sculptor who for years has made superhero statues for Marvel, of Marvel characters. And my dad bought this for me when I was, uh, well, he bought it for me in 2001, which I won't tell you how old I was, but it was 20 years ago. Now, here's what's a little weird. Because this was a limited edition and I felt like it was really precious and valuable, I have kept it in this box for 20 years. This Spider-Man has never been displayed on a shelf or my desk or anywhere. It has stayed safely and comfortably inside this box. And then this box was placed inside another box to keep this box from getting damaged because this box is also precious. And then that box was kept inside a closet because that's where boxes go. Now, since I got this thing, we have moved six times. And every time we've moved, I would pack up the box that held this box, move it to a new house and put it in a new closet for safekeeping. This is literally the most visibility that this Spider-Man minibust has ever had, or at least the box that holds the Spider-Man minibust inside of it. Isn't it kind of weird and interesting that I've had this super cool little thing for years, but no one has seen it. I mean, I've had it, I've known it's there, but it has literally had no impact or influence on anyone. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that deep down, most people have this desire to hold on to and to preserve what we have. If we have something good, we wanna keep it and we wanna protect it so that we will always have it. The problem is that just like my Spider-Man, sometimes in our efforts to preserve what we think is good, we end up limiting its influence. Now, as a church, we are working our way through the book of Matthew. And in Matthew chapter five, uh, we find ourselves at the beginning of a section of Jesus's teaching called the Sermon on the Mount. And we're gonna be coming out of the Beatitudes, which is kind of the beginning of that. And we've spent the last nine weeks talking about Jesus's teachings and the Beatitudes. But as we come out of that, we find Jesus teaching on just that very topic, influence. And check out what Jesus says in Matthew chapter five, verse 13. He says this, you, are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. But no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. <clears throat> so in this section of teaching, coming out of the Beatitudes, Jesus makes this statement that's important for us to grasp, especially for followers. And in this, Jesus compares his followers to salt and light. 
Over the next two weeks, we're gonna break down each one of these things a little bit more specifically, but today I wanna take a big picture overview of this so that we can really grasp what it is that Jesus is talking about. And I think that starts with us asking this question. Why did Jesus choose salt and light to compare his followers to? Because he didn't choose salt and light on accident. He had a purpose and a reason. And that reason is this. He chose them because salt and light universally influence things. I mean, check it out. Light influences everything it touches. It impacts our visibility, our shadows, colors, and how we perceive them. Light makes a pitch black room visible. I mean, it's super obvious how light impacts things. Salt seems a little stranger to mention because, I mean, to us, salt is for food. It makes food taste better or worse, depending on your preference, but it doesn't seem all that influential, at least until you consider the culture and the time that Jesus was saying this in. Salt was an everyday necessity really just up until a few hundred years ago. And, and one of the major reasons that salt was so important was that was because before refrigeration, salt was the only way to preserve meat over time and keep it from rotting. Salt and light are both things that actively impacted whatever they touched. And when Jesus said this, his listeners would have made this one big connection. They would have gotten this one big takeaway. It's this, that followers of Jesus will actively influence their world. Some people think that if you are a Christian, your primary goal, the way you should live your life is, is to live in such a way that you separate yourself from the world so that you can stay holy and pure. And honestly, it's never been more easy to do that. There's this pretty sizable Christian subculture that exists for us. I mean, we have Christian bookstores uh, that have Christian books and music, movies and entertainment. We've built Christian schools for our kids and we have Christian conferences on church and on marriage, and on parenting, and on dating, where we can just immerse ourselves in our own Christian culture. There's even this new movement of, of Christian-owned businesses where if you worked at one of these, you may never have to talk to someone who doesn't believe in Jesus ever. And if we wanted to, we would never have to eat anywhere but Chick-fil-A, which I mean, honestly, doesn't sound that bad to me. But my point is, is that it has never been easier for Christians to separate ourselves from the rest of the world. The only problem with that is that Jesus didn't say, you are the hermit crabs of the world. Go and bury thyself in the sand away from the sinners. He didn't tell us to take the amazing salvation that he gave us and protect it so that it doesn't get all dinged up. He said, go, be light, be salt, be people who cannot help but influence the world we live in. Influencing the world is our purpose as followers of Jesus. It's who we are, it's what we do. It would be absurd to expect salt to not be salty and to expect light to not dispel darkness. It's just what they do, it's innate. And in Jesus's view, it would be absurd for his followers to not positively impact the world in which they live. I mean, look at what he says in Matthew 5, verse 15. He goes on to say that no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. 
I was watching uh, a movie a few weeks ago where a cop was going into a crime scene to look for clues. And of course he went in at night when no one was around so that he could really focus and just, you know, really get those clues and bust the bad guy. And so he goes in at night and he begins searching this apartment with his flashlight. Now, I know that it looks really cool and creepy on film to be walking around a dark room with a flashlight, but all I could think was, dude, why don't you just turn on the lights? Like there's a light switch right there on the wall. This is someone's apartment. They lived there, okay? There are lights. You're looking for clues. You're not changing a fuse, you know what I'm saying? Do you think that having more than just flashlight visibility might be helpful in cracking the case? Not to mention that if there's some creeper hiding in the corner, you'll see him immediately. I mean, it's just so stupid. Turn on the lights. And in the same way, it doesn't make sense when followers of Jesus live counter to what he made us to be and limit our influence in the world. We are to live as salt and light, letting Jesus in us be seen in the world, letting our good deeds shine out for all to see. It's something active, it's something visible, it's living in such a way that we are doing good things in and for the world. And make no mistake, we were made for this. Ephesians 2.10, it says that, that we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God planned good things for you. And he planned good things for you to do before you were even born. He always planned for you to be salt and light to the world. You have work, you and I both have work to do, and, and that work is implicitly tied to how you live out in the world. Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 2, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. This blows my mind, but, but how you visibly and actively live in the world among people who don't believe in Jesus, that will be the very thing that will cause them to honor, to believe in, and to trust God. Your impact, your influence. Jesus made it clear that this is our purpose, and he said it again in John 17. John 17, 18, he says, just as you sent me into the world, he's talking to God the Father, he says, I am sending them into the world. As followers of Jesus, our purpose is not to hide out, but to be sent out. And this mission, it comes with a warning from Jesus too on what happens when we do hide our light under a basket. What happens when we do lose our saltiness? Jesus says in Matthew 5, 13, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. When we devalue the influence we have in the world, Jesus says we risk losing it altogether. And this should honestly come as no surprise because this is a familiar thread throughout all of Jesus's teaching. I mean, look at what Jesus says in Matthew 25, verse 29. He says, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But, those, but from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. If we use our influence well, we'll be given more. But if we don't use our influence, 
it could go. Some people think that we need to view the church as a dam, right? That, that separates us from and holds back the corruption of the world. It's watertight. Nothing goes in and nothing goes out. But that couldn't be further from God's intent. In fact, to him, the boundaries between the church and the community should be porous. The church is an offering that is poured out into the community and the community should seep into the church and be changed. Our ability to impact the world is what we've been given by God. And we have to take Jesus's words to heart because if we damage the influence we have, we may never regain it again. So what if we reimagined our role in the world as God's agents of redemption, rather than seeing ourselves as a church under attack? What if we understood our role as expanding his kingdom into the world, rather than just defending our values from the world? Just like salt influences the flavor of a meal and light influences the atmosphere of a room, we are to go and bring the influence of Jesus into a broken world. We were not called by God to keep ourselves in the original packaging so that nothing could touch us or muss up our perfect little Christian bubble. We were called to be the ones that Jesus has given the power to influence and transform the world through the good things he created us to do long ago. We are called to live out of the box. Jesus called you the salt of the earth. He called you the light of the world. Are you staying safe inside your box, isolated from that very world? Are you hiding your light under a basket? Have you lost your saltiness? To really find out, and it's important that we do, because I think many Christians have been content to live through life unaware of it. I think we need to ask ourselves these questions. And the first is this, do I have meaningful relationships with people who don't follow Jesus? And then ask this, do I engage in activities that make other people's lives better? And finally, do I have influence with people outside of church? And I'd say this, if the answer to any or all of those questions is no, I'd encourage you to ask God to search your heart and to show you how, how you can better be salt and light in your world. He made you for it. He'll help you do it. He wants you to live outside of your box and influence the world. Next week, we're gonna talk about the more specific practical applications of being salt and light, what that influence actually looks like. And I'm looking forward to seeing you then. Thanks again for joining us today. If you wanna learn more about us as a church, get connected, need prayer, or anything else at all, head over to our website, compassbn.com.